You wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt? Yeah. Nice. Hey everybody, how you doing, man? Welcome to Writer's House with Ringer FC. It's been a really weird kind of weekend for me. A happy, sad one. But at the same time, my team who I love, Arsenal, got beaten by a team that I'm in love with, Aston Villa. I'm going to give Dean Smith and Ralph Hassenhutl a mention as well because I think both of them are doing amazing things at the moment. Man United versus Arsenal, Barclays, WSL. Going to have to mention that and the emergence of Manchester United and Flowers have got to go. Casey Stoney and what she's doing with Manchester United. Flowers also for Harry Kane. Fafana from Leicester's got to get flowers. And obviously my man, Jack Grealish, who ripped my team apart. But And joining me to talk about all that is Ryan Hun and from The Athletic, Carl Anker. Enjoy the show, man. This episode is brought to you by the Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid is designed for the ultimate safety test, climate change. Because when driving in pure mode, you're driving electric. For everyone's safety. Visit volvocars.com US. This episode is brought to you by Neutro Natural Choice Dog Food. Everything dogs do, they give their 100%. Feed them food to help them keep giving it their all with Neutro Natural Choice Dog Food. Neutro, feed clean. Learn more at Neutro.com. Made with non-GMO ingredients, trace amounts may be present due to potential cross-contact during manufacturing. In Writers House this week, Ryan Hahn and Carl Ankerman. How are you doing, fellas? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. Right, this house gets nicer every time I come in here. You like it? You've been doing some decor, haven't you? Thank you so much, man. I'm not in a good place in my head. No? No, we're not in a good place because it's been a real confusing since the since the Villa game. And then you know what the thing with the Villa game is having to do it on match of the day. Alan Shear was, he was killing me, man. <laughs> Your head was hot. <laughs> oh, God. You know, him and Mark Chapman, they were hurting me because... I don't know where that came from under Mikel. I don't know where that performance came from because we've seen green shoots of how Arsenal, since he's been there, Arsenal, I've, I've improved in respects of what he can do from a coaching level. But I never thought that I would ever see Arsenal under him put in a performance like that when you're looking at, what, 103 times the, the possession was turned over by Villa. You know, it was like how good they were. And I'll go on to how good Villa were, but... To watch your, you know, when you, you're not expecting it, you know what I mean? You're not expecting your team to get that kind of hammering because guys, it could have been six, man. You know, halfway through, right? Tell the truth. Are you thinking, this is one of those points. I don't need to watch the end of this, but I know I have to, but I don't need to watch the end of this. It's like watching a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> you ultimately know after seven or eight in a franchise, you know how it's going to finish. <laughs> Since then, man, I've not slept very well. I keep having this recurring dream about... Yeah. I'm watching Ross Barkley and Rob Holding dance for an hour as Matty Target runs off the back of oh, me and I fail to track God. him. Just on a loop, 
over just and over on a loop. and that's, over that's and my over. loop. You know that? Do you remember before the United game and I sent that gif in the group about the two kids doing the karate and none of them were really <laughs> None of them were doing that because the best gif. But that was actually what that Holden and Barkley thing was like. <laughs> no. You know when it, are we talking about the, fir- the first goal when it went across? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because just I'm, like, you know, I'm in the office, Carl. And Carl, when you, when you see it back, you, you'll see exactly what I'm saying because anybody who watches that little segment of play, especially as an Arsenal fan and say, Someone tackle him. Get closer to... They were literally, Jack Grealish, um, Ross Barkley, and Matt Target were, were literally just running around like they were playing in a, you know, like a little playpen area. Yep, yep. <laughs> and like the people who they're playing tag with are just rubbish at trying to tag them. And they're just playing. <laughs> and then it, all of a sudden, Ross Barkley cuts it back across the face of the goal and goal. And that in itself made me think, What's, the guys are not on it today. They're not on it. It was like with the Barclay holding thing, it was like, you know when you play Street Fighter and no one actually presses any buttons for a bit and you just got both guys kind of... Just lunging. Leading. Like, I thought my stream had stopped. Stopped. You know, when, it, when it froze, you thought it froze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what it is, is that when you look at Mikel um, and what Mikel's trying to do, and let's, let's just remember where Mikel has come from in respect to an attacking force with Manchester City and mm-hmm. what he wants to do um, for, for Arsenal, which he clearly hasn't got the players. You know who else has been hammering me. You know when you're getting like texts from people while you're watching the game, mm-hmm. not only while I'm watching the game, but when the game finished and then match of the day is about to start, do you know who was still hammering me? Was it Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? <laughs> no. <laughs> Close. Roy Keane. I no. Oh man. Honestly, all the way up until we're getting ready to start match of the day. And even when I woke up yesterday, because he left me so much stuff that I couldn't really answer. <laughs> yesterday, I just woke, yesterday, I just woke up on a Monday morning and just sent him a torrent of abuse. <laughs> oh, wow. I remember it was about, about a year ago, a mm. year and a bit ago, England played Kosovo at Southampton at St. Mary's. Mm. And uh, you and Roy Keane were doing... ITV coverage. So after mm. the game, you're like, he, Ian's really nice and like smuggles me in, into one of the bars and we sit down and he's like having a conversation. Oh, he's yeah. like, oh, how's work and how's everything? And every like two minutes, someone stops and is like, Ian, can I get a selfie please? Because it's Ian right? what you do. Mm. And after about 15 minutes, Roy Keane walks in and you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> like everyone's just like, okay. Roy Keane goes down and he goes, sits in the corner uh, and basically for like, a two meter radius, no one is sat around Roy Keane. It's like Roy Keane, yeah. Roy Keane's people. And everyone's just like leaving him alone. Yep. No one's asking for a selfie. Yep. Everyone's just leaving him at peace. Roy Keane's just sat there. Um, you know, we're talking back and forth from like, you know, going, hi, blah, blah, blah. what's going well, this, this, this. And there's like a little bit where I can just like feel Roy Keane's looking in my direction. <laughs> I remember Unks just looking at me going, and he's like, Carl, don't worry, it's fine. Like, he's what? fine, he's you like, have to. You're like, it's fine. I goes, I know, he goes, I know why you're, I know why you're scared right now. Cause you can feel Roy Keane's looking at you. You can feel, but also yeah. calm cool. down. It'll yeah, be fine. And you're like, I'll introduce yeah. you to him afterwards. It'll be fine. So you you know, I'll finish. I'm about to go home. We all stand up and he you know, takes me over to Roy Keane. Roy, this is Carl. Yeah. It's fine. And I'm like yeah. trying to shake Roy Keane's hand. <laughs> and my hand is just <laughs> trembling. <laughs> but you know, the thing with, with Keane, which, which people don't realize is that he's, he's genuine love for the game when he's watching the game. I feel privileged to be watching a game with him. Like for instance, we'll do the, we'll do the, the, the Republic of Ireland game, England Republic of Ireland game on Thursday. And watching what he says about the, the game, 
always so insightful what he would have done in that particular moment. Um, what player is going to do what next? The players that he knows, he talks, and then all of a sudden he'll go back into a story about a player and what a player done when they were manager. It's like, it's brilliant to watch. And then he literally, once, once he gets on the, on the TV, he just goes into a different mode. Because mm. he, he, and sometimes he says, right, he, don't give me all that bollocks, this banter bollocks. I'm, I'm here to do serious stuff. <laughs> I'm here to talk serious stuff. <laughs> but like, um, you know something, we kind of, I digress a little. Sorry, guys. The fact is, I was talking about Mikel and how offensive he wants to be. Mm-hmm. And it's literally in this team, guys, it's, 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 it's almost impossible. I saw some stats from Albino the other day. I love him, Albino on Twitter. And showing Lacquer's mm-hmm. average position. Um, and for, for a focal point, it's, it's, he's, not, he's not near it. And you know the chance what he had as well, right, with the Did you just mm. Like for me, even with no one in the ground, you could see he's going through that kind of spell as a forward where he's thinking about his next chance. He's actually thinking about it because I've, I've seen him do a couple of headers now. I don't know if you saw the last, in the last game as well. I've seen him do a couple of headers now where you are thinking about it. You're yeah. thinking about it because where that ball came in, you don't need to think about it. You just need to get it on target. The goalie saves it. You think to yourself, well, the velocity in which it's coming, this is another great ball from Kieran Tierney. So the velocity in which is coming across and how I've got, I've literally got to control it. So I'm over just to head it on the target. The power should take it in. But I believe now, even with no fans in there, that he's thinking about his next chance. He's thinking Mm -hmm. about the consequences of missing. He's thinking about the fact that uh, Mikel Arteta is saying we're not taking chances. When you're a striker and you're thinking about your next chance, how do Mm. you get out of that? Is it just as simple as you need to get a goal? You know, when you hear people say things like you just need one to go in off your knee, going off your ass, all that sort of stuff. What you need to do is get into the positions where you will score goals and then do what you, you've you done for years, which got you in that position in the first place. So you hear people say, do the same things in training. I I'm, I always, in training, no matter, even if I'm going through a spell or not, I would never leave a ball to not be put into an empty net. You know, once you finish training, mm-hmm. you make sure that you put the ball. Just be used to seeing your ball going into the net. Yeah. So when you go, yeah. So, so then when like, for instance, do sessions at the end of the session where you're literally, someone passes it to you from the, from behind the goal across it. You're in between the penalty spot and the six yard box and you're just side footing it in the goal, putting it in mm. the goal, but never missing. Mm. So as you're constantly seeing yourself scoring goals, putting the ball in the net, putting the ball in an empty net, putting the ball in the net where the goalkeeper's close, but he can't save it. Because then what it does in your mind, it makes you feel like you're on automatic. So when you do play, for instance, that ball comes over like, you're thinking, oh, I'm close enough. I'm just going to just gonna head it on target. Instead of thinking, I haven't done anything that makes me feel like through training, I'm ready for this moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you've got to make sure that in, in, every time, right? Uh, Carl, is that you're ready for whatever eventuality comes across the box, no matter yeah. how long you haven't scored for. It's like in the NBA, right? So you know how like when people are doing, when teams are doing their like pre-match shoot arounds and a lot of people will just like stand on their own and just like drain threes. Mm. People like Steph Curry, for example, they know oh, exactly gosh, like yeah. if they do, an, if they have that set release, it's in. Do you mm. know what I mean? Mm. The thing I find really interesting is like watching Kyrie Irving warm up. Because Kyrie, he's like one of the best finishers in the NBA. Mm. What he does in the warm-ups is that he will get someone to like push him mm. or get someone to like create 
problems for him that he has to solve just in the warm-up so that he then, in an actual in-game scenario, it's not wild for him to have to think at a last split second, like switch hands or do something that he has to think about really quick because it's automatic anyway and he knows he knows how it works. Mm. It's one of the things that really used to piss me off a hell of a lot at amateur level, like the level that I play at, is that even though we train twice a week, we weren't allowed to say, for example, stick a wall up and just yeah. like hit free kick after free kick after free kick. Uh-huh. But when we were doing drills, yeah. you'd have the defenders doing the same drills as the strikers. It's like, when the hell is the defender going to be? This is Gerard Piquet, yeah. who's like, the, like, have I told you about this? My favorite, one of my favorite things in football is the sight of Gerard Piquet is the furthest man forward for Barcelona yeah, for no brilliant. reason whatsoever. And just, just, and, and then you just think, what is Gerard Piquet yeah. doing there? You think, yeah. brilliant. They've not had a set piece for 15 minutes and Piquet's just turned to long lane gone, watch it back here, I'm off. I'm like, off. And then he's just like through the middle. It's like, it's like an AI malfunction on FIFA. <laughs> I love it. What's going on? I saw, one the, other, I saw one the other day where someone had a, a shot in the, in the box against David De Gea. David De Gea comes, saves it with his legs and it traveled the entire length of the pitch and went <laughs> over the other goalkeeper. <laughs> it was just like crazy. I'll tell you what FIFA I did. What, what I watched the other day, Carl, I don't know if you lot watch it, but like the warm-ups before the game, you know, you mm-hmm. see that four line where the defenders are heading the ball and they're doing the stuff. I saw one, Arsenal against Man United when we, when we beat them. And there was a session, they was having a shooting session down in the corner. And I would have said there was nine shots of all the, all the, 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 the main characters who should be shooting. Oh, but lack of every single one of them missed. Even though we beat Man United, it was telling because when you look at the chances converted at the moment, and there's not many being con, um, created, if I'm going to be totally honest, this is why I feel so unfortunate for Oba that it's just coincidence that he signed his contract in this time. And then the, the soothsayers are saying, oh, it's because he signed his contract, he's clocked off. We're not creating chances, mm-hmm. right? We're not creating chances. But I do not like seeing in a, in a, in a, in a warm-up shooting session, people not shooting as if they are playing in a game. We're talking mm-hmm. about missing the target sloppy shots, shots that went straight to the goalkeeper goalkeeper with no challenges. All those kind of things make you look into the team and into what's going on with, with Arsenal. And I'm confused with what's going on because you seem like we've got a manager that will not tolerate anything other than the best you've got to give in any particular moment. So I'm really confused at the minute. Because like you say, we're what? Shot creations, 19th. Goal scored, 13th. Shots on target, 14th. No, like number of key passes, 17th. Expected goals, 16th. They should be doing everything they can, even if they don't want a goalkeeper in there, with those players going through, shooting and hitting target and scoring goals. I mean, I... I wrote a thing after the Villa game that I don't think a lot of people appreciated, which I just said, well, first of all, Villa, <laughs> Villa, Villa were brilliant for a start. <laughs> Villa were, were really, really good. And actually, I think it's something that I've kind of been, me and Musa have been chatting about a little bit, and I wonder whether it's actually going to lead to the eventual return of like a, a central, quote-unquote, number 10 role for people. Mm. Because the structure of like modern-day football now it's so, well, the, the kind of, the trend, if you like, it's so mm-hmm. reliant on structure and, mm-hmm. you know, yes. um, Is that because of pressing. Pep, you think? Pep no, not necessarily. Way. I think that when players have never been fitter than they are now. Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. The athleticism yeah. levels are obscene. So therefore, it allows you to do more as a group in terms of group pressing and structural pressing. 
what Villa showed, I thought, was actually allowing a little bit of freedom for your two most creative talents oh, can actually yeah. cause havoc amongst sides yeah. that are set up in a really specific way. And I think for Arsenal, it's like when they played Leicester at home and on the on the pass map thing, mm. it was just this massive space. space where no it's one like was a Bermuda triangle, yeah. like just in front of the, 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 the Leicester centre backs. Yeah, Gosh. and I think that the thing is that if you if you watch Barkley and and um, Grealish. and Grealish. Like they are really athletic as mm-hmm. well, so they can they can kind of split those jobs. And I wonder mm. whether people have put too many eggs in the kind of structural basket now, as opposed to like the jazz basket. Yes, that makes yeah. sense. The, yeah, I, feel that. I mean, you, you've got a really good example in Manchester United, you know, with Bruno. Yeah. So like, a lot of Manchester United now is dependent on Bruno. He is the basically the tip of the spear. And you saw against Everton, it was basically mm. the Bruno show. Yes, um, and he wasn't he wasn't great against Arsenal, so therefore Arsenal's structure beat his improvisational quality. And mm-hmm. I think that's the risk. Like you, when you're a top level manager, you've got the, do I trust one guy to be top level, 100%, 80%, whatnot, or do I trust the system? And there are so few playmakers out there that can do it to that. I want to run 13 kilometers per game and press and mm-hmm. pass and do everything. But when you, when you find them, yeah, you should absolutely give them everything. Like Bruno's amazing to watch. Kevin De Bruyne is amazing to watch. But this is the thing, because I think like the modern day number eight role isn't a million miles away from the old school number 10 role in terms mm-hmm. of like actual positional. Positional, yeah. I mean, we keep talking about Villa yeah. and yeah, it's great that they've got Russ Barkley and Jack Grealish, but also behind them, they've got John McGinn and Douglas oh, Louise. Douglas Louise. Right? Yeah. Douglas Louise was on it. No, no, no. McGinn against us. Like they scored in 45 seconds, you know, mm-hmm. which was, that goal being disallowed was, was almost like, thank you, God. Thank you for the p- pity of us. <laughs> But that should have been a sign of what was coming because they kept, they obviously said, you know what, let's go at these. Let's have a go at these and see what they are capable of. They haven't got enough creativity to blast through us because we know that at the back with Consa, especially who I really like, and Matty Cash, man. Jesus Christ from Forest. What a name. It's beautiful. Like the weekend name. was the French commentator saying, Matty Cash. Yeah. <laughs> and he kept saying the full name, Matty oh, Cash. You've got that name. You have to say the whole thing. Absolutely. You have to say Matty Cash. Like James Justin as well at Leicester. Another player that when you watch him, you know, like Tarek Lamptey, the way they play Tarek Lamptey, James Justin, Matty Cash. Matty Cash looks like somebody that is literally playing in a game. Yes, you lot are all here, but I'm so intense, man. I'm so, no one's passing me. Everything, I'm getting forward. He just looks like this is it. Mm. Uh, to, to see a player that looks like Matty Cash is just like, this is it. This is, I'm re- I'm ready. I'm ready. The way he's recruited, because obviously Dean Smith, we have to give him some some love and some flowers because the press one point last season they stayed up by, and we're talking about Jack Grealish. From the time Jack Grealish has made his debut in the Villa side, we're talking about seven, eight, nines out of tens, and he's had to. So dealing with pressure and dealing with you know listening to Gareth Southgate saying that you know what I mean well you know with a higher level of play, he's had to deal with the sort of pressure of have, holding up that team on his own since he's been there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so when you see that Villa, and they have to get credit, Villa, um, like we need somebody to help him. He needs help. We need a goalkeeper, Emmy Martinez. Mm. You know what I mean? To add to like, to, to Doug, Douglas Louise, Douglas Louise, you know what I mean? To add to John McGinn. Now they said, get, get Ross Barkley in there. Get Ollie Watkins, who I'm going to pay 33 million for. And I don't care what anybody says because I believe he's going to help us score. We know Wesley got injured after scoring five, but now we've got a guy that the movement that Villa have got up front with their natural swag now, because they've got defenders 
and midfielders that for me are ready to like, I've heard you say it, right? Someone like Douglas Louise is ready to be one of the best players in the midfield, in, in midfield in the Premier League. He mm-hmm. is so underrated at the minute. Yeah. They literally, yeah. they, they blasted us, right? We had they, no they, chance. There's men, men against boys. Well, you said, the Le- you said this, you were getting Leicester vibes, right? Oh, a few weeks ago. Remember that, I said that. I think that obviously it's easy to get kind of carried away with the title challenge inside of that. But I think mm. from a purely footballing point of view, I think it's totally right because the, like that, that Leicester side at the time, when you looked at it on paper, mm. you'd probably be like, mm, yeah, Mares, decent. Yeah. Mm, yeah, maybe Vardy. Got drink water. Like, and mm, yeah, yeah. like can but even Kante at the time on that, yeah. at the beginning of that run, no one was really like, no. who's this guy? Who we just saying, wow, he's pretty good. Oh, it was like run. one of those things where you like where you realise that all your favourite albums are produced by the same guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you just didn't and you didn't know their name until yeah. like oh my 10 God, years after the album. Came and out. Huff. That's oh what God. Kante was like. Yeah. To this I mean? day, mm. I can be idly making a cup of tea or like doing something, and my brain will just start singing. And go and go. I love when they done it the France, <laughs> when the France went, World Cup team was doing it as well. But like with, with Villado, Carl, what I'm saying is, is that this game the other day, I tell you what, was one of the, what I saw um, with Jack Grealish for their, I think it was the third goal, when Emmy Martinez got the ball and rolled it out. And the way he blasted past my, one of the loves of my life, Hector Bellerin, with the control running at top speed with Hector Bellerin. Who, yes, he's, he's had some injuries, but he's still, he's not, mm-hmm. he's not a slouch. And remember Jack, Jack Grealish had to go kind of round him, mm-hmm. running at full speed. And this is something that people do not understand to run at full speed with a football and keep, keep it balance. under control. Thank you. Keep it balanced, keep it under control. And then right at the death, remember Hector's running a straight line. He's running round. People underestimate the pace and skill that Jack Grealish has got. And then the strength to just like, ease Hector out, which is, mm-hmm. you know, and then just, and then still have the composure to, to put in a pass to a forward who at the moment, you know, just looks electric. Um, and then he finishes like he did. It was such an easy goal, just simply because of the ability of, of what Jack Grealish is capable of doing. And I am honestly beside myself. If he does not start against the Republic of Ireland, I'm going to be very, very upset. Secretly, I'm kind of looking forward to next week's Righty's House. Just put, oh. we're going to get the flame. We're going to get the flames. We're going to get the flames. It's funny, it's funny what you're saying about that Grealish goal. You know, it reminded <laughs> me of a little bit. It wasn't identical, but do you remember Bale's goal in the Copa del Rey? Oh my god, really? where you're just like poor Mark Bartra was just he like, ran off I've never head. been this slow. Mark Bartra was just like, I swear I'm faster than this. <laughs> like I swear. <laughs> what happened? What happened to him? Um, it's, it's like Gareth Bale in the Inter Milan with Mike on. Oh. When he just ran, oh just went. Or when Eden oh. Hazard scored against Arsenal, I mean, oh, 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 when Cockerland bounced off his bum. Bounced yeah. off his, he bounced. Hey, it's a good, it's a good one though, because you know Grealish, good bum. Everyone talks about Grealish's calves, man, but he's got Grealish. Aston Villa got players with some, yeah, man, in a got, good way. A team full of good bums. John McGinn's got one too, and, and <laughs> John McGinn's got a good bum. So I wrote this in 2016 mm-hmm. about how it's really important. So I remember watching Euro 2016. And everyone's like, oh, Antoine Griezmann, really, really small, but he can ride a tackle really well. So I'm, you know, on shift at this company once and I'm watching everyone's talking about Griezmann being really good at riding a tackle. And at the same time, I've got Tweet Deck open and I'm mm-hmm. watching like a whole bunch of French teenagers tweet Fleur de Gris, which is basically Griezmann's ass. <laughs> <laughs> about how Griezmann's got a little booty. And I remember watching some of the highlights. I'm going, he's definitely using oh, that as a hip check 
Yeah. So I looked at that. Then I looked at Wilfred Bonney, who's also got one. Then I looked at Eden Hazard, who also has one. Yes, got one. And then I started going, this is definitely a thing. Looked up some, there's a really good one from Gerard Piquet, where Piquet's like, yeah, Luis Suarez just absolutely just like annihilates players because he just mm. waits for them. He like slows down, waits for the defender to come in and he mm. hip checks them with his bum and it runs mm. off. You know who used to do it as well back in the day? Go on. Kenny Dalglish. That's the, exactly what I was going to say. You know what I was going to say? Back in the day, Kenny Dalglish. Has an amazing story with his bum where he like, used, he used um, David Priest, great guy. He's mm. like the goalkeeping sage on Twitter. Yes, and he, there's yes. a story when like right near the end of Kenny Dalglish's career, they're doing like shooting training and Dalglish is kind of old or whatever and Priest's like, okay, fine. And he like, Dalglish doesn't even see the defender, hip checks him, turns around, spins and shoots. And the mm. priest is like, how did you do that? And he's like, oh, well, you know, I just saw his shadow approach me. So I wow. knew what angle was coming in. And I just gave him the hip check and turned Elite. and scored. Elite and on players. one level, that's amazing that you can sense the defender just by his shadow. Mm-hmm. Another one, having the foresight of going, the moment he arrives here, I'm just going to move my buttocks yes. this way. Yes. This episode is brought to you by Nutro Natural Choice Dog Food. Tailwags that could clear a coffee table. Getting a whiff of a new friend's behind. Chasing squirrels, even in their sleep. Everything dogs do, they do with everything they have. Neutro Clean Recipes gives them the energy they need to keep living their best life with recipes that help them give it their all. Made with non-GMO ingredients, except the trace amounts that may come in contact during manufacturing, Neutro Natural Choice makes it easy to feed your dog well. With no artificial flavors or preservatives and recipes that would make any dog drool, you'll both be doing a happy dance when you fill up their bowl. Neutro. Feed clean. Learn more at Neutro.com. Trace amounts may be present due to potential cross-contact during manufacturing. This episode is brought to you by the Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid is designed for the ultimate safety test, climate change. While driving in pure mode produces zero tailpipe emissions outside, its available advanced air cleaner helps optimize the air inside. The car you trust to protect your family now helps protect their future. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. For everyone's safety. Learn more at volvocars.com slash US. We've got to move on to Ralph Hasenhutl. Oh, because pronunciation. Thank you very much. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, but I want to try and make sure I do. I'm coming to Berlin. We're all coming at some stage. I know we we got are. to do the. I know we got to do the Roscoe we'll, we'll, barbecue at some stage, but yeah, we'll do a stadio session at mine. I'm coming to Berlin, but shout out to the stadio session. Absolutely, Thanks, man. man. Carl, we'll you got do to one tell this me. Week, I think actually is it, is it Friday? Can I say that I, I popped into the the live the other day? Yeah, you for did. A bit. I popped in, um, but I, I loved it. There was there was was there a lot of wine flowing? Moose was hammered. <laughs> I'm gonna. Is there gonna be more? Is there gonna be yeah, more? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we did them during the lockdown the first time, and that's when we started doing the stadio sessions as well. But we have not. We've not done one for ages. Maybe that's the way we get that side of Musa out. You know, the Musa <laughs> that once we finish recording, we get the, the nuclear bombs. Yeah, man. The truth we, serum. The truth serum is wine with yeah. Musa, man. I can't wait for the next one. But like Carl, 
Honestly, back to Ralph. Yes. I've got I've got to ask you simply because I know what it's like the nine nil, right? Mm-hmm. And we have to start from there because I remember when we lost nine nil to Liverpool when we first came up. I remember I was looking forward to going to Anfield. It's the first place I looked at in the team sheet when we got promotion um, for Palace, and I said I cannot wait to get to Anfield. When I got there, they beat us nine nil, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not sure if it's because it was that early in the season. Um, but, but what happens? But something happened to our squad after that. The, the coach ride home, the training, the training ground, and getting up for training, and everybody was down. I remember Steve Koppel must have had more one-to-one, man-to-man talks in his whole life in that week. I think the next game we drew one-one, but like it was like exercising some kind of ghost. And obviously we went on, beat them four-three in the semi-final and everything like that. But what did Ralph do? And I know that Martin Simmons stuck by him and, you know, b- brilliant for him. And hopefully that was a, his decision and not the fact that the people were saying that they couldn't afford to let him go. But what happened to that team after that for them to do what they're doing up to this point? Man, it was, it was surreal. So I was covering Southampton Football Club for the Athletic last season. So I was there week to week going to every single mm. game. I was there at the 9-0. I was there watching fans leave at 3-0, leave at 5-0 when it was halftime, and I just watch it get worse. I remember, I remember finishing the press conference after 9-0, and he was like, he looked dazed, he looked whatever. Mm. From what we heard, he basically got to the training ground at Staplewood around about 6 o'clock the next day and was pretty much going to Martin Simmons, the chief executive. He didn't, well, he basically went as close to giving up your resignation without giving up. He was like, look, right. if you want to, if you want to remove me, I understand, fine. Um, and they had like a lot of, like, they had loads of amounts of conversations and Simmons basically made it clear that he thinks Ralph was the guy and that they need to get to work. And then I think more or less the first training session, Simmons was just there on the pitch for the most of the morning. That's wow. just Ralph went to work. Um, and what we, what we now know is, you know, they basically had a social media lockout so no one was posting. I think Koiberg said sorry on social media and that was it. And then mm-hmm. and after that, it was no more talking, no more messaging. Like anything on social media would be weak. They donated their day's wages to the charity, um, Saints Foundation, which is a great charity. What was also interesting, like Alex Ferguson text Ralph wow. after yeah. that defeat. Alex said that was, so Alex Ferguson text Ralph saying he like responded well by like shutting down social media and just going to work. Mm. Um, and what? So they lost on the Friday and then on the Wednesday, they had to play Manchester City in the League Cup. And they basically, I remember writing it for The Athletic saying it was like the scene in The Godfather mm. where your man is getting beaten up by Sonny and just like curls up into a Oh, ball. yes, yes. So I wrote that. And then they- The brother-in-law. Yeah. And then on the Saturday afterwards, they went to play Man City again. And they were amazing. They mm. were 1-0 up at half time yeah. and they only lost. They only lost because Kyle Walker scored his one goal a season. Oh, yeah. Um, then they had a bad game against Everton. And then what was really interesting was they just disappeared for the international break. So you had two weeks off. And when they came back, they changed formation. They were playing this 4 2 2 2 system yeah. that they now play now. And they, they nearly beat Arsenal. You know, mm-hmm. If it wasn't for Lacazette scoring in the 96th minute, they would have beaten Arsenal. That was Unai Emery's last game for Arsenal, in the league at least. And they just, I think what happened was after that international, when it went to international break, Ralph just had loads of meetings and went, Look, mm. I know I keep telling you that you need to press but I'm going to explain to you why we have to do it. Okay. I think it's very easy to use the word pressing 
And I see you get you see it like get thrown around casually, but like pressing is loads more than just running. You have no to like doubt. it's got to be coordinated. Absolutely. There's like there's man pressing where mm. I have to press a certain player, and there's yeah. um passing lanes pressing. So it's the mm. idea of like in a basic level at Southampton, the guys up front need to make sure these centre backs can't pass to the fullbacks yes. every single time. And that mm-hmm. way that means the centre backs have to pass to the central midfielders and then it's, you know, James Ward Prowse's job to take the ball off the central midfielders and then pass the ball to Danny Ings and hopefully Danny Ings can score. That sounds really simple, but to do that 15, 16 times a game, over and over and over again. Coordinated as well. Yeah, oh, and if you, miss, if you miss your cue, and this is the thing, yes. when you do team yeah. coordinated pressing, it's like playing any bit of an orchestra, right? So you're playing whatever. If there's one person in orchestra just like messing up the note, the whole thing sounds bad. Yes. And I think they got really, you know, they were quite sad. They were quite knackered. And Ralph just basically went, what am I missing out here? Mm. And they had loads of meetings. And then over that international break, they really got the feeling back. And they just shot through, shot through the table. You, you, know, you know, the thing is what, what people won't understand because there's not many teams that will lose like that, Ryan. Because I want to ask you in a mm. sec what Ralph was like in Germany, because I know when he, when he left, it was almost like a principal thing why he left. But I'll ask you in a sec. But what people don't understand, when you lose like 9-0, that stays with you every minute of the day. Mm. And even if you lose 1-0 after that a couple of times, but you are starting to do what the manager wants in respects of shutting people down. He knew that we were still capable of scoring goals. We had Andy Gray, Jeff Thomas, people like that in the midfield. We had solid defence quality in respects of Andy Fawn and people like that, Eric Young. And so what we know is, is that even if you lose 1-0, if you draw, it was like a win when you come back from a beating like that mm. because people are expecting you to at some stage cave in. And you can imagine when we went 1-0 down to Liverpool that early from Ian Rush in the semi-finals, people would have been thinking, oh my God, here we go again. But I swear to God, you know, the, half, the half-time dressing room talk um, at that semi-final was, it was unbelievable from all the players, from Steve Koppel. So it's the way that you come back together. And then now you're looking at Southampton and they seem to have gone back to what they've done, Carl, mm. with the, 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 the recruitment and everything. But before we go into that, because I want to speak about that, because they've got back to that. Ryan, in respects of him in, in the um, Bundesliga, what was he, what mm. was he like? What, how, did, how, how was his teams? What was he like? I wrote a thing when he went to Southampton just saying that I think it's, it's a perfect match for them. Because mm. the thing that's really consistent, maybe bar his first gig at um, Unterhaken, mm-hmm. is that every team he's been at, he's progressed them mm. massively. Yeah, Like he took Arlen up, kept them up. They fit, I think in his final season, they, they finished with, like a high, with the highest finish of the newly promoted size that season. Ingolstadt, he took him into the Bundesliga for the, um, for the first time. And he decided not to extend his contract like at the end of that. You know, after let, I think they finished like tenth, tenth, eleventh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a really, really good. What's really interesting is he leaves his contract. So there's always like a really cool YouTube video where you can see his like last home game, and you can see just the fans in tears as he's leaving. Mm. So when he left Ingolstadt, his last game was against Pep Guardiola's Bayern Munich, and they lost. And you can see at the press conference, Pep was just there, like, "Hi, yeah, we won. We're going to win the Bundesliga." But stop talking to me. Go talk to. Ralph Hasselman, because clearly all you, all you people want to like have deep emotions. And it was like, yeah. the, it's the weirdest press conference because it's Pep speaking really nice German, 
and be like, hello, goodbye, go talk to Ralph. You know, <laughs> Ralph is just there. And Ralph's passing was not a person of like big, grandiose gestures. And he just can't, he can't, he's like, he wants to cry, but he doesn't quite know how to cry. So he's, there, <laughs> yeah. like, he's just there like, just yeah, like, uh, cheers. This is awkward. Something good to cheers. happen, yeah. You all yeah. love me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think that there's like, that's the problem with managers in a way. It's not a problem with managers because no one wants to give up their own job. But knowing when to leave mm. yeah. is such a massive... Must be tough. It's, it is really tough. And I think, that tough. There's, I think that, that that shows a level of just kind of realism in him. He's always struck me as a really interesting guy and someone who actually... I think there are very few managers who... I mean, managers in general, is, it's quite an egotistical gig on the whole. But someone like Ralph, I think that if you bumped into him in the street, he's the kind of guy that I think that... When, you know, Carl will be able to tell you way better than I will, but I've always got that impression that if you just, if you asked him a question, he'd mm. answer it. Mm-hmm. You know, that approach at a club like Southampton, when they mm-hmm. got him, I said, my best mate Rob is actually, shouts to Rob because I know he listens to this. He's a Southampton fan. He was like, right, I know he's come from the Bundesliga. Tell what, what's he like? And I was like, yeah, this guy's going to be good. And even when, he, when the 9 0 happened, managers that great, you saw it with Pep as well. Pep, the, the Leicester game in the first season, uh, mm-hmm. Leicester or Everton. Leicester, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah they got both. hammered. Yes, both. Leicester. Yeah, they got Leicester. both. That's it, that's Leicester it. at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those kind of managers that actually affect real change on a cultural level at a football club. There's always a moment like that in there okay. because players have to understand mm. why they're doing something. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that when you hear when Raheem Sterling and when you saw Raheem Sterling get it is when we start seeing him score mm-hmm. the goals and doing his stuff is because Pep literally broke it down to him in a yes. square box. Yeah. Just yeah. a square box. In this square box, you do this, that, get your body turned here, that's going to happen. Yep. He started doing it in the games and it started to happen. I swear to I swear to God, if I had that kind of coaching at some stage to just give it, to be, to be thinking that like meticulously about a game of football and how you can get a, 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 an advantage really, really excites me. You know, for the way Klopp thinks about the game, the way Pep thinks about the game. Even I have to throw in um, Arteta because, we got, like I said, with Arteta, mm-hmm. Arteta is, he looks, he just looks studious. Leroy Sane was saying amazing things about Arteta. Was he? At, mm-hmm. at Man City, yeah. Leroy Sane was basically like, people keep talking about Pep, but most of the stuff I'm learning right now at Man City comes from Arteta. Wow. Um, a lot of the young guys were saying that, yeah, weren't they? Right. Both wow. of them are no slouches. My favorite Pep story of Man City is, again, about Sterling. Apparently, really, really early on, Pep got quite annoyed at Sterling drifting inside. So when one of the training pitches got like a tin of white paint and like paint a dot on the left half space and just went to Sterling. Anytime we're doing movements, if you get confused about what to do, go stand on the dot. Wow. <laughs> you can say that sentence and you'd be like, oh, he sounds mean. But Pep was like, no, this is like a really, really important thing about spacing. Yeah. And like, I know you want to drift in field because you're really good and you're really talented and you want the ball. But if you stand on the left, you, you staying there, make sure, make sure everyone is spaced out properly and the ball it's, will get to you. It's and it's perfect. A, you know, Klopp had that really, really fun conversation with James Milner when they had no left back. And he went to Milner like, do you want to play left back? And Milner was going, I don't think I'm going to get the ball much. And apparently Klopp was like, trust me, you're going to get the ball just as much as you were as a central midfielder, but I just need you to do this. I like, just imagine Klopp laughing when he's like, James Miller be like, oh, am I going to get the ball? And Klopp's just like, ha, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Just giving him a bear hug. Yeah. I love it. And rub his head as well. Yeah, while he's yeah, holding yeah. A bear hug. Come on. This is what I'm saying about um, 
the, the caliber of the elite coaches and what they're doing. I, I believe like someone like Hazen Hootel easily goes again, goes bigger um, because I've, and I think that the, yet, the, 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 for a bit. Mm. I can't, because, yeah. So I've yeah. the fans are stressed. No, I hope he stays. <laughs> well, the thing is they should be stressed. No, they should. So do I hope he stays and, and, and they can continue doing what they're doing because mm. like I say, Carl, they seem to have got back to the, the signings and the recruitment because they lost it a bit under Puel and obviously Mark Hughes being that kind of standing, they kind of like went into a phase of survival mm-hmm. and almost like went away from their their mantra of signing those players, the the, the, the Van Dykes, you know, obviously selling on the, the, the Ox, Oxlade chain, like Theo Oxlade, you know what I mean? Gareth Bale, you know, then, then they're getting Van Dyken and all the greatness that, that cuts come through the club. Seems to be going back that way when you look at like the uh, Gineppo. Like I think that Gineppo mm. could be amazing. Mm. You know what I mean? The, the emergence of Ward Prowse, who's always been for me a good player. You know what I mean? You, you're feeling now. You know you could see with Danny Ings that he's go- he's going to get even better because he looks mm. like he's got all the kind of attributes oh, yeah. to be a, a, a proper player. So you can see them being on the right track, but. I, I see, and I don't. I don't want to upset like um, Southampton fans, but if he carries on on this vein, then you know what I mean. Is people are going to start saying mm, Haas and Hootle? Mm, yeah, but I think at the moment for him as well, it's it's a really really good. It's a good project. He's like, a, he's, he's but got also that. it's a really good time to be there. Yeah, because got, it's the Wild West out there at the Premier League at the moment. He's got a four year contract. He, yeah. I think, was really interesting. Is basically, he spent all of lockdown in Germany making a he created what's called a, like a Southampton playbook so when yes. he came back he yeah. came back and he's basically like had this massive PDF with loads of DVDs and just went right to the, to the academy like hello here's how all the academy teams are going to play now and I was like most people yeah. are like making banana yeah. bread in lockdown why yeah, are you doing man. this well, that, yeah. but also though th- I think that actually goes to show like how not in a hurry he is yeah yeah yeah, because you don't do that. Yeah. You yeah. don't do that, and you don't try and change the culture of a football club if you're off soon. Yeah, you just don't. Yeah. No. The entire youth system now is going to work to his version. They're like, which is quite logical, really. Anybody that's coming through that team that gets to the first team will know exactly how you have to play if they're going to play that four-two-two-two. Mm-hmm. So you know exactly what to do if you're going to have you're going to have the front two that will pull out wide, and you'll have the the wide men who will come inside. You know what I mean? That's what we do. You know what I mean? You've got someone like James Prowse who's going to be dogged and stuff. You know what to do. Instantly you come into the team. It's not like, oh my God, what are we doing? Oh, I'm in the first team. Oh, what am I doing? I don't know what to do here. I still have to go back to, if a manager had to put a dot on a field for me, I, I'd probably, you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I, I'd have a oh, little problem thinking. I, I, I'd have a little problem thinking. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> Sorry, man, but this is 2020 year right talking right now. If, yeah. Imagine Bruce Riot goes, stay on the dot. It's true. Jesus Christ. You talk about freedom a lot. Man. I know if someone went, stay on the dot, you'd be like, what? Wow. Thanks for pulling me up on that. Fuck. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. If you vape, you could be inhaling toxic metals into your lungs. To make you feel how scary that is, we could have gone to town with some real scary music. Thrown in some zombie sound effects or some blood-curdling screaming and over-the-top shrieking. You get the point. But nothing is as scary as the facts. Vaping can deliver toxic metals like nickel and lead in your lungs. That's metal. In your lungs. 
Read up about the dangers of vaping on therealcost.gov. You know what? Um, I'm going to say Sunday was, was a bad day for us. You see the Man United-Arsenal um, mm-hmm. women's game, WSL, where I've got to say, watching that game and looking where Man United were last season and how they set up to play against Arsenal, very defensive, simply because a draw would have been more than good enough. To see the way they played them the other day and pressed them. And that's the problem with, I think, that Joe's got, Joe Montemero's got, is that every team, like when you look at the Chelsea game, the PSG game, this game, you know, any team that presses Arsenal well, beat them. I think that's a big worry. I know Arsenal had some some in, some injuries, but I thought that Man United were absolutely brilliant oh, the yeah. other day. And the, and, the, and the elevation in such a short period of time, because I think Megan Rapinoe is right. I think she's right. That for a, t- a club like Man United to only just now start to really put some um, backing behind the, the, the women's team, she's absolutely right. Because if they can move as quickly as they can in, in the way that they're playing with Casey Stoney, she's for her to get to where Man United are now, it's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Right? That's a top four. It's absolutely. not a top three. Yeah. It's yeah. a top four yeah. now. And, and I mean, even if you had, you could add Everton in there really as well, who have, are looking a little bit leggy after the cup final. But before that, it's an amazing time for WSL. Casey Stoney, by the way, there's going to be a new addition to the Stadios this year. Oh, yeah. Best dressed manager. Yes. She's, She's way leading up. the way at the moment. She looks Drip. like a fucking assassin. I love that, right? I love where you're going with that. Casey Stoney's attire is, she's just awesome. Yeah, but this is the thing, the psychology there. I mean, I love Joe. I love mm. Joe Montemore and his whole vibe is like, you know, the 25 bracelets and the sunglasses on his mm. head and all that kind of stuff. And the just random snoods that don't match any club attire <laughs> at all. Casey comes out and it's like, no, no, this day doesn't end well for you. Getting Casey Stoney in and mm. like signing Tobin Heath and Christian yeah, Preston season. Oh my gosh. Katie Zellum has, has been amazing yeah. anyway before mm-hmm. that. And like they had the pieces there. They Lucy Stanislaw can't, can't even get in the team at the minute. I know. Yeah. And this, is a, this is a good problem for them to have because yeah. they... It's going so quickly. Yeah, it's happened well, so fast. Yeah. This is, I what, mean, this is the thing. Third season? Yeah, third, fourth season. Yeah. It's their third season in their current incarnation. They absolutely yeah. flew up the table on the championship. And... Yeah, it's like you say, Casey Stoney takes this seriously. And it's that yeah. thing of, it could be so easy for this just to be uh, a bit of bright and shiny PR for Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Manchester United mm-hmm. go, you've got a women's team, we're going to spend this much money a year. And if, they're, if they win trophies, they win trophies, but if they're not, whatever, hooray. Mm-hmm. But Casey Stoney coming in and going, no, this is a big deal. And I really like the interview she gave right at the start of when the women's team started. So obviously, mm-hmm. you know, they, they got their license, they went into the championship. There was controversy over the fact they got their license ahead of some other teams that want yeah. to get in there. And I was saying Manchester United women's team shouldn't be in the championship based on how much money they have. Casey Stoney made a really good point. She's like, no, like, we are a team of mostly championship and some yeah. top level players, but we're going to take this absolutely seriously. This isn't a mess around and playtime. And mm-hmm. every single interview she's given since, she's like, no, this is a really serious big deal. And she really, I think the history of women's football in England has so many teams that survive for 10, 15 years and then go away because their funding gets pulled. And it's only now that you're beginning to see teams that last for like 20, 30, 40 years. But the way Casey mm-hmm. Stone is carrying herself, she, you get the impression that under no circumstances yeah. will she allow like a sniff of unserious behavior from, yeah. from people higher up. Like you can mm-hmm. imagine Casey Stoney walking in at Manchester United and someone higher up going, yeah, we're going to have to like cut your transfer budget. She's Whoa. like, no, you're not. Fuck that. She'd go, no, no you're not. And just, just, all of a sudden it's just, 
puts the red leather gloves on, just pulls out a silencer. <laughs> and that's really, that's really important in women's football. That's so important to have someone out there who, who has like the weight of a playing career and has the weight of a managerial career now. Yeah. And, and basically, you know, I'm, I want to find a nice way to say it, but like gives a shit and like gives yeah. a shit for like, not just what's happening now for the next 20, 30, 40 years. Casey Stoney yeah. knows that what she's doing now is going to, be the foundation of Manchester United women's team for the next decade. Maybe, okay, and yeah. she takes it yeah, straight strong. from the jump as well, where you, it's like yeah. we were talking about Hasenhutl before about being a long-term thing. First thing Casey Stoney did was just bring in those old Liverpool defenders that she played with. Yes. It was like, right, I need people who are going to like be with me from this. And gradually they've expanded forward. And this mm -hmm. is kind of a similar thing to what I think Arteta was trying to do at Arsenal, like make yes. them a little bit more solid at the back first yeah. before moving and working through the team. Because there's a lot of problems to fix there. Massive and amount. I think that when you have someone like Casey Stoney there who is a name mm -hmm. as well, and I think that's, unfortunately, I mean, it's still important in most, in all football really, but I think at the moment it's quite important in the women's game that some, for a club like Manchester United to have Casey Stoney as a boss gives them more time. And I think they're way ahead of schedule, to be honest. She's wrecking re the place proper, man. She's yeah, but, this, but it shows how, how, how much the name carries. Like Tobin Heath and Kristen Press wouldn't mm. have thought twice about signing for Manchester United. And this is, I think, a really good thing for the league. And Man United, top of the league. Yeah. United, top of the league. Look at Carl. Look at Carl's face. I'm pulling the good face. <laughs> Vivian Miedemar got player of the month. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, I spoke to her yesterday. The GOAT. <laughs> the GOAT. The GOAT, man. The GOAT. Did, did you hear what she said? She didn't realise what the GOAT meant a while back. <laughs> oh, it's not nice being compared to that. But then Lisa Evans explained to her, no, the greatest of all time said, Okay, I'll take that. Because she's so calm and so cool. And I spoke to her yesterday after the, the, the loss. And she's, she's like, my, she says, I don't take losing very well. Mm. You know what I mean? Because you could see with someone like Viv, it's very deep. She thinks deeply. You know something? I'll tell you now, she's going to be a manager. Without yeah, a doubt. Really? Absolutely, she's going to be a manager. With the way she sees the game. And you could see, you know, when you watch a player and you look at a player and you look how they are, she looks like somebody that even now you're looking at her, she's got a mystique, manager mystique about her where you think, yeah, I'm going to, I can joke with her, but then she'll, I'll make the joke and she'll give me a look. Stand on the dot, right? <laughs> <laughs> if, she, if she told me for, to, to go stand on the dot, I would, because she's got that kind of managerial mystique already in the dressing room. When people say, who do you think in this dressing room will be a manager? People probably say, yeah, Vivian. Even mm -hmm. will be. But like speaking to her, she was very disappointed. She's because like I say, they they pressed them. And there was one particular chance where I saw her go through. And this is where it was very surprising with Beth Mead. Because Beth, she ran through, she came off of the left, she took a few players on and she was bearing down. And Beth Mead literally just ran straight down the middle of the pitch. She didn't give her no options. And all Beth had to do really when I watched the game was continue to go to the right of the box, mm. right? And then you could see one of the first times I've ever seen Viv kind of like a little bit frustrated and going, oh, like what are you doing? And that kind of, that kind of thing shouldn't be happening at Arsenal. No, there's been little patches of that though. Do you remember like the, yeah. city, the city game in the FA Cup where Viv went through this run of having to drop, like Arsenal just weren't really creating that much. Mm. She was dropping so deep to get the yeah. ball. It's the Manchester derby this weekend. Arsenal got Chelsea. That top four could be completely it's different. Be, it's, it, the, the league, right, and the league and what's going on, it's, get, it's getting very exciting because you can even, 
You can even see when speaking to Viv yesterday, it, you could they can something's happening, man. It's happening. It's more comp it's more competitive. Give it another few years, and we're we're going to be really people are going to be really taking notice of the WSL. Oh, What's yeah. the place to be? I'm telling you, you know, I didn't mention which who I should have mentioned is Ella Toon. Oh, right? yeah, Actually, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And scored, she scored a brilliant goal. She got a brilliant goal to, to, for the winner. But what I like about her is the, is the way that the manager, Casey Stoney, pulled her start of the season. And even after last season, I think she had five starts last season, mm. if, I, if I can remember properly. But Paul said, I need more from you physically and mentally. And during the lockdown, especially, she, she worked on herself, got herself going. And you look at how she's playing, how she's pressing, how she's driving that team forward. And again, testament to Casey, testament to her in what they've done. And to be honest, testament to Man United on their emergence, man, and how they're, they're, it's happening for them now. You mm. know, someone like Laura James, you know, massive talent, still on the bench, still trying to get, get a chance. You know what I mean? So you have to look at, again, at players like that. Casey Stoney, the way she can motivate players and get them going. Very coachable player. It, it's, it's frightening, I think, for the rest of the league. They must be looking and saying, well, Man United, man. Man, yeah, man United. You know what? I'd love to speak. To Should we try and see if we could get Casey Stoney on? When you speak about it like you just did, Ryan, and what she's doing and the club she's going to, and you know you, you know, Carl now, the enormity of the club. I know the enormity of Manchester United, just playing against them and what it means and just sitting in a room with Roy Keane for 10 minutes and listen to when Roy Keane starts blasting what it means to play for Man United. For her as a manager to take over that club, mm -hmm. because Man United's name is Man United wherever you go in the world, whether yeah. it's the women's or the men's. So she's taken on a lot. And what she's doing up to this point needs, needs bringing to the fore. And I'm going to, I'm going to get in touch. I'm going to get in touch and see if Casey will come on and yes. give us five minutes in respects of the journey from then to now, Casey, and how you've got to this, this juncture so quickly. Flowers, man. She's got to get flowers, man. Hey, speaking yeah. of flowers, Harry Kane. You know something? This made me laugh on Match of Day so much. Did, did, <laughs> so much. I brought Stadio to the masses with my John Travolta. It literally just came out of my mouth, right? It, I just, as soon as I said it and we finished, went to the break, I was speaking, oh my God, Ryan and Musa, man. <laughs> oh, I was laughing. I was laughing hard. But I don't think I've ever seen you, Alan Shearer look that smug. You cooked <laughs> Alan Shearer. It's just the way you went, you make me sick. <laughs> you know the thing with Alan Shearer and that point, the thing what people don't understand with Al, and I remember when we started doing it, I said, Al, you don't big yourself up enough. It doesn't say anything. Mm. And any, people think that when Match of the Day are continually putting stats up about who scored this and Shearer's there, it's because of what he'd done. Mm. The guy was a monster. The guy's literally played his career on cheat mode, mm. right? And so when he gets that kind of, he never, ever says anything. And I genuinely didn't know, but I know that his name would definitely be amongst it. So when Mark Chapman said, <laughs> when Alan Shearer himself said, listen, and, and this is what's good about Al and why he'll just take it and just, you know, take it in his stride. It's because he was the one who mentioned that Harry Kane, 150 goals in 218 games and stuff. And then it just fell to me, hang on a minute, what did you do? And it obviously he didn't, I said to Chappers, what did he do it in? <laughs> and then when Chappers said it, and then, and then I said, you make me sick. He says, I didn't, I didn't know until just now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, Harry Kane is playing at Spurs. Remember Alan Shearer's won his, his mm. Premier League and he made that choice. Mm. Harry Kane probably at the at the moment is in that same place where 
if Jose Mourinho doesn't go to Spurs and it's another manager of not that stature, then I feel that that's probably going to be a problem for him. But I think that he now recognises that under that manager, things could very well change in respect of Spurs getting something and winning something and doing what they're doing. Because for, for, when you listen to the comments and read, and read the comments about the disrespect that Harry Kane gets, it really does annoy me to the point where I literally just, I don't want to read them mm. for what this guy has done, how hard it's taken, how long it's taken him to get to where he wanted to be in respect of playing for Spurs mm. and then going on to be as consistent as he is. Now, re- evolving his game as well in respect of the, the number 10, which we know he could do because he even said the other day, guys, that, yeah, he played number 10 when he was younger and he knows, yeah. the, he knows the position. But I saw him, right, against, might have been Brighton. He's defending. He mm. saved one off the line mm-hmm. and then went up there, obviously went up there and scored. The way he's dropping off, just give him credit for what he's doing. What's 218 games, 150 Premier League goals. Just, you know, we just got to let that sink in. Do you ever That's speak it. to him? I, to be honest, he's, I, I don't speak to Harry. I've seen him where, you know what I mean? You get the, you do the, um, the, risk, the, the striker respect. So I was going to say, is it like the black guy? No. <laughs> <laughs> The only time that's ever happened to me was when I was in Tokyo. Another white guy nodded to me and I was like, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the thing is, there is a black... You have to do a black guy nod because black guy nod, as Carl can can back up, is something that you you always go somewhere where you're probably in the minority in respect to the amount of you're going to see. So you have to make him know, I got you. The black guy nod was the, like, the bedrock of my early sports journalism career. <laughs> Gotta bear in mind, there aren't enough black journalists Mm-mm. working in football, right? You consider the league is 30% non-white and there's like a handful of black mm. journalists, even fewer working full time. So I'll be stood there in the mix zone and I'm surrounded by all my peers. And if, you know, a football player walks past and if you know them, you know, you might call their name and they might mm. stop or whatever, but most football players will stop. I remember, you know, first season in the job, August, no one's stopping. September, you know, September's no one stopping. Gets like October and I'll be in the mix zone. And if a brother walks past and I go their name, they might stop, look at me and go, huh? A black guy? Mm. Let me go. Let me go say hello. <laughs> so yeah, the black guy nod got me black two or three interviews in mix zone because they were just black footballers players going, let me go help Same. this guy out. Yeah. Which help? I, I've always said my social media stuff is open to any young black journalist that wants help or whatever. Mm. Uh, I've said to all of them, you're covering a league that's becoming increasingly non-white and there's not enough black journalists. And you mm. will be, like, not only is representation really important for societal reasons, but also it's really mm. important just to make sure, you know, black football players will talk to black journalists in a different way than they'll talk to white ones. There's just, mm. there's just like an extra two or three things yeah. that you'll get. And mm. like, in the same way that people, you know, footballers from the North will talk differently to journalists from the North. Mm. Right? I think it's really, you, you take someone like Danny Rose, right? Danny Rose spent the majority of his career in Spurs and, and mm-hmm. like didn't really open up in terms of personality until he got that loan, you know, that was really funny when he moved up to Newcastle. He went, yeah, now mm-hmm. I can go get some proper fish and chip shops. Man, <laughs> that is North, an amazing, man. that's an amazing anecdote. Why mm, was no hey. one getting that out of him when it was in London? Journalists that come from similar backgrounds to the players who just mm-hmm. know the correct, you know, the sort of questions to get fun answers. And I think yeah. the black guy, the black, black guy not helps a lot for me right now in my career. Not just because he's a black guy, but I just want to give flowers to someone. Yeah. Fafana, Lester. Boy. Whoa. Oh, you know what? When he's you, good. Uh, the, you know the thing is, guys, watching Fafana and watching him the other day, 
19, you know what, just, I think just coming up on 30 games for St. Etienne and watching him playing in the Premier League at 19, there was a bit of what he'd done latter stages of the game where he not only went back, dispossessed somebody, but then he ran with it all the way past a couple of players and went to the halfway line and laid it off to somebody. And I'm thinking at 19 in the Premier League, doing that is just, it's, you just think to yourself, my God, he is such a talent. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's legit. Wow. What's happening with Leicester, Ryan? How do they do, how are they yeah. doing that? I can't beat this guy. This scout Jeez. is off the charts. It's like, do you remember when uh, Newcastle went through that period of just scouting France amazingly yes. well? Yes. And it was, it was Arsene back in the day. Leicester scouting network is... It's, a, it's, yeah. it's, it's just it's legit, man. It's, it's like it's so good. You're pulling a face. That's the only way. Yeah, that's it, like basically it's an audio format, and I'm just like, eh. you know? <laughs> <laughs> like when you look, they wanted Tarkovsky. You could see why. Mm-hmm. You could see why because Lewis Duncan, James Tarkovsky, for me as English defenders, I probably have them next to one other. Mm. I think that them two are brilliant. So you could see why Leicester would take. Tarkovsky and they wanted him after Harry Maguire left mm-hmm. but still not being able to get him but then getting Fafana next to Evans is 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 brilliant it's brilliant in respects of his development what's going to happen and if they do eventually get uh, Tarkovsky and you could see Tarkovsky with Fafana next to him it's going to be quite formidable that is is there another side in the Premier League that's been more plug and play in the last five years Oh, then Leicester. Then Leicester. It's just like a never-ending, ah, yeah, plug them straight in. And yes, whoosh. and they're ready to go. People like Tielemans and, and Kante and Mares and all that are invisible to everybody else. Put them in and then bam, go on, be unbelievable. The thing about Tielemans was weird though, because I think there were so many people looking at him and then everyone yeah, even when he was on loan doing what he's yeah. Yeah, but Even when he was on loan doing what he's doing, there's more than enough guys yeah. for you to see what Tielemans is doing and say, mm, hang on a minute, yeah. I could fit him in here. Sometimes he looks a bit, um, how would you say? Like, plays like he's whistling. It's, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly That's it. Like, that is fucking awesome. That is brilliant, right? He plays like he's like, whistling. Oh, Yuri's starting. <laughs> Look at you. What's that noise? Oh, Yuri. It's honestly, he plays like he's whistling. No one, even as far as I knew, went in and, and, and challenged, what was it, 40 million or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Load of that Monaco squad just got picked off. Can you imagine what that team would have done with the players that they had in it mm. if they just waited? Something's dormant this season, man. Yeah, <sighs> honestly, dormant. it's like, oh, yeah, that is exactly right, right? That chance, though, the chance I thought at Royce Erling Haaland. Yeah, no, I think Erling Haaland as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, he had yeah. a couple. You know, and I think to myself, you know, people say, oh, yeah, against, against, against Bayern when it really matters. But at the same time, you know what I mean? You just think to yourself, that, that just happens for a striker. Mm-hmm. But like, in that game and what he'll learn and what he probably knows already, you look at the goals he's scored and scored Champion League goals. Every, the fact is, what he'll learn is, is that you don't know when it's coming again. You have to be even more ruthless when you're playing against the team. Because for me, yeah. at the moment in Europe, I'm sort of, Bayern's the team. Mm. They had a wobble, didn't they? Yeah, just they a little. fixed the wobble. Although the Kimmish injury, man, it's like we were talking that's about on Stadio. That's like, yeah, that's big. Bayern are so good that their best right backs is their best centre midfielder. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, but wasn't that, yeah, but didn't Pep say that Philip Lahm is the best player? He's, he's, I think he said he's the yeah. most intelligent player he's ever. Most intelligent mm-hmm. player. Yeah. 
Well, how does Xavi feel about that? Because like Xavi's for me looks like major intelligence on a football pitch. Do you know what I reckon Xavi said when he when he heard that? He said what? says that about everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like like with Musa. Musa bigs up his friends too much. So you come you're, if you ever if you ever in a bar with Musa and some friends and you come back, everyone's looking at you like what? <laughs> Honestly, this happens all yes. the time. Yes. And he, then- will, he gives you, you will go to the toilet and he will give you your flowers when you're not there. You know something, guys? It's been beautiful. It's been a beautiful day. It's been a beautiful time. International break. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've, you know something? I'm just going to let people know now. Jack Greedish doesn't start. <laughs> it's going to be a problem. Uh, so listen, guys, thanks for, thanks for coming to Wrighty's house. Ryan Hahn, Carl Anker, thank you, guys. I'll, I'll see you soon. Yeah. See you sure. soon, man. Take care. Beautiful, man. Okay, so thanks everybody for listening to the show. International break. So I've got Roy Keane. Can you imagine if the Republic beat England and I'm sitting there with Roy Keane? Oh my God, why am I saying this already? Listen, I'll see everybody next week, man. Take it easy. Have a good time. <laughs> <laughs>